Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. Hey, do you know what the Lunar New Year is? What about the Chinese New Year? Are they the same or different? I'm going to talk about it today. Things you should know. Stick around. Here at Things You Should Know Podcast, our focus varies from commonly asked questions like, what are the top email apps for iPhone users? Or how much does it cost to go to Disney World anyway? to the trending topics of the day, such as, are taxes going up or down? And who's Elon Musk? We shed light on things you probably have always wondered about, but you never got around to investigating them yourself. This podcast brings you the answers to your most commonly asked questions and makes you smarter just by listening. Information empowers, and the more information you have, the better decisions you can make and ultimately, Your quality of life is based on the decisions you make. So thanks for joining the discussion and make sure that you subscribe today and not miss out on any future episodes of Things You Should Know. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, This is Things You Should Know, and I'm your host, Kelly. It is my pleasure, as I do each and every other day, to welcome you into the podcast. We've got a particularly interesting podcast today. I'm really excited about it. I'm a lover of culture, ethnicity, and diversity, and traditions within different cultures. I love to learn about them. I think it is uh, so highly valuable to know about other people. Um, today, we're going to talk about the Lunar New Year, which is coming up February the 12th. Today is the, the 10th. And we're going to talk about, you know, the Chinese New Year. Are they the same spring festival? How does that fall in? How do they celebrate? And how is 2021 and the pandemic going to affect this? What's uh, been called by uh, CNN as the largest human migration uh, in, you know, in a year's time. So we're going to jump into that. But before we do, I'd like to always thank you for joining me here at Things You Should Know. Uh, Here we just, you know, answer those questions that maybe you've had or heard other people ask. You didn't really know the answer to, nor did you really have the time to go into it. So this is what we do here. So if you like that and you like our content, please make sure you subscribe. The only other call to action I have is that would you please share our content, share our content and please provide any type of um, 
review, it would really help us be found on the, you know, podcasting platforms. So that's it. So let's jump into our content for today. How many of you have heard of the Lunar New Year? And what about the Chinese New Year? Have you considered them the same celebration? Different? What about the Spring Festival? So, in terms of New Year, in America, in the West, when we're talking about New Year, we're talking about calendar year. And that just goes from year to year. And worldwide, uh, everyone pretty much is on the same calendar system. But within that system, there are many different types of celebrations. They start at different times. And not everyone begins their New Year celebration on January the 1st, like we do. So let's talk about Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year, and how these uh, celebrations came to be and really what they are. So, for example, in the U.S., when we talk about the holiday season, what are we normally talking about? So when someone says, you know what, are you traveling for the holidays? You think they're talking about July the 4th or Easter? No, they're talking about Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's normally, because those are our big ones. And they all happen in the fourth quarter of each year, usually within a month or two, you know, time frame. Uh, shortly after that, a uh, massive holiday brings f- uh, family and friends together in several Asian countries. That's the first thing for you to know. This is not just a Chinese celebration. And I have some folks that I work with across the pond in Singapore that I have had the pleasure of knowing and that sort of uh, guide me along with some of their traditions. So some of this I knew from just uh, dealing in talking and being friends with them. The Lunar New Year, most commonly associated with the Chinese New Year or the Spring Festival, it typically falls sometime between January 21st and February the 20th annually. Now, the Lunar New Year for 2021, which we're in, is going to begin in two days, February the 12th. In terms of the Chinese uh, New Year symbol, the Chinese zodiac animal this year is the year of the ox. And we'll talk about that because each year this is a tradition to go through the 12 animals. And this year is the year of the ox. And we'll talk about what that represents. It's called the Lunar New Year because it marks the first new moon of the lunisolar calendars. This is traditional in many East Asian countries, including China, South Korea, Vietnam, and many others, which are regulated by the cycles of the moon and the sun. A solar year is the time it takes the Earth to orbit the sun. It usually lasts around 365 days, hence our, our calendar year. While a lunar year are a 12 full cycles of the moon, a lunar year. It's roughly 354 days, so a little shorter. Uh, the Lunar New Year isn't only observed in China. It's celebrated across several countries and other territories in Asia as well, including South Korea and including Singapore, which I just told you about a few minutes ago. Now, in Vietnam, the Lunar New Year is also known as Tet. And in Tibet, it's called Losar, L-O-S-A-R. In the U.S., though, is most commonly associated with what's called Chinese New Year. 
This is the American version of China's 15 day long celebrations. Now, in the U.S., we do have a large um, population of Chinese people, which is great. And if you've gone to any of the larger cities in the U.S., for the most part, for the most part, there usually is what we call a Chinatown. And normally in the U.S., uh, we're able to visit Chinatown on Chinese, what's called Chinese New Year here to us, and to see a lot of the decor, the decorations, and the celebrations take place in those areas of our cities. Uh, I, I don't know what happens in more rural areas. I a little bit more regulated to the more populated areas, but uh, I visited several uh, China towns, if you will, from San Francisco to Chicago to uh, Houston. And of course, I live here in Atlanta and we have a very diverse uh, Chinese. Well, we have a very diverse Asian population. And I only say that because I don't know all the ethnicities. I do know because I'm a lover of the culture and the food that we do have um, Vietnamese, Taiwanese, Chinese, Japanese, and I'm sure many, many others uh, who are here. And we're certainly glad to uh, to have them here. So let's talk about some of the differences between these celebrations so that we're clear on what they mean. So the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year and the Spring Festival, they're related to one another, but they're not the same. Chinese New Year is based on the Chinese lunar calendar. The lunar calendar is a calendar based on a complete cycle of the moon. So basically, the Chinese New Year marks the start of a new lunar year. The Chinese New Year kicks off with the new moon. Uh, it usually falls between the end of January and the end of February. Like I said earlier, the celebrations do last for 15 days, so that's consistent. And it culminates with the new moon. And it typically includes traditional Chinese lanterns and other forms of decor and decoration. Each Chinese New Year also marks the year of the 12 traditional animals. And before I told you that this year is the year of the ox, the Chinese New Year is the first day of the first month in the Chinese calendar. So the Lunar New Year is the first day of the first month in any moon cycle based calendar. OK, Chinese calendars based on the moon. Therefore, the Chinese New Year is one lunar new year. Chinese calendar is not the only one based on a moon cycle. Other moon cycle based calendars have their own lunar new years, which may or may not coincide with the Chinese one. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Here's an offer we thought you'd be interested in. Are you looking to develop and create stunning coursework? Uh, launch your stunning academy website in a snap. You can choose from among 50 plus designer made, ready to go, industry specific site templates to launch your website fast and with confidence. It's very simple, very powerful. They're flexible courses. You can wave goodbye to dull educational content. There are countless ways to package and distribute your learning content. Create listed or private courses that can be paid or free courses, or you can drip. Feed your content to build and to nurture your audience the way that you want. 
You can create compelling and interactive courses, leverage the most rich library of learning activities, and undoubtedly the most customizable course player in the market to build flexible learning experiences to keep your listeners engaged. And lastly, be the boss of your content and design your final course product exactly as you envision it. Preview it as you build it in real time. Get it up and running fast than you ever have imagined. Why don't you go down the show notes, guys, today and uh, click on Learns World. If you're interested in building courses that matter, you can monetize, create memberships, create courses, and create passive income for yourself. So support our sponsor, Learns World. Um, so here's some interesting notes, interesting notes. Um, the Chinese, uh, new, uh, the Chinese name spring festival was invented in 1914 when the Republic of China's government renamed the four traditional Chinese festivals as spring festivals. They're called summer festival, autumn festival, winter festival, and so forth. The reason for the new names was that the Republic adopted the Western uh, Gregorian calendar and the traditional name, the origins and the beginnings, you know, Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays for the Chinese New Year was moved for the Western New Year to January the 1st. So the summer, the autumn, the winter festivals did not stick and only the spring festival became widely accepted. So with this new regime, the new Republic of China, with the changing of the festival's name, the only one that really stuck based on this new calendar was the spring festival. And that's why that term is still around. Uh, An additional interesting note is technically there's uh, no such thing as a lunar new year unless you're referring to the Islamic calendar new year. So the lunar calendar or the lunar new year that we always think about is based on lunar solar calendar, the lunar solar calendar, which is commonly used in the East and Southeast of Asia. So we were to be technically correct. We should probably call it the lunar solar new year. Some people choose to use uh, Chinese New Year to refer to the Lunar New Year. Uh, Some Chinese see this as problematic because many ethnic groups and countries in Asia celebrate the same festival. It's not just the Chinese. Interestingly enough, the Chinese communities usually don't even call it the Chinese New Year, of course. Rather, they refer to it as the Agricultural Calendar New Year or Spring Festival. I found that many things are that way. If you live in the U.S. and you are not um, a broad traveler and you travel internationally or you are not a seeker of information, and if you rely on media and social media, God forbid, to be your main sources of education, Unfortunately, uh, you're regulated to this common Western uh, ideology and Americans a lot of time. Well, I don't want to say that I'm optimistic. Uh, I I think it's better for us to to delve into the truths as known by these ethnic groups and see what their truth is. For example, I I, I did pull a lot of information. I'm going to give you the sources at the end like I normally do. But I did pull a lot of information from 
you know, different publications that we're accustomed to, CNN and, and different magazines that are, are U.S. based. But I felt like it was important to try to find some information directly from someone in that ethnic group and get their translation as to what these festivals are. And this information came from Reddit, and there were a number of folks uh, in the Chinese community describing and depicting and detailing their thoughts on the Chinese New Year. So I've included that in this in this write-up for your information. Uh, just so you know, uh, much of this comes directly from people who are of Asian descent, so that we can be um, we can be closer to the to, to the more um, integral part of what these celebrations mean to the people. Okay. I, for example, I am not Chinese. So if someone's to ask me, I would say, I, I am more than happy to help you find someone who is Chinese to, 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 you know, figure this out. Uh, but I would not be the person uh, to answer these questions with any level of authority. Now I can tell you what I think anything is, but it doesn't make me authority on it. And I think as you learn and you grow and you mature, part of the maturation process is to understand sometimes you need to tell people, hey, I, I don't know. I am not the person to ask. I do not know is an appropriate answer as opposed to sharing your opinion with someone as if it is fact. We've seen a lot of that lately. All right, let's keep going. So how do they celebrate? How do they celebrate? In China, there's a 15-day celebration, and it kicks off on New Year's Eve with a family feast. It's called a reunion dinner, and it's full, as you can imagine, of tradition and of foods. And it typically ends with dancing and festivals, which I absolutely love. The festivals where you see you know, the dragons and all the beautiful colors and the decor and the people in the street and the fireworks. It's, it's, it's an awesome celebration. And now I feel like I can you know, be more part of it because I understand what some of these things mean. So the Lunar New Year is also called the Spring Festival, as we talked about. The name was popularized after the Communist Party leader. Uh, I'm going to have difficulty with his name, but I'm going to spell it Mao Zedong, Z-E-D-O-N-G. He took power in 1949. Now, the term the Spring Festival was coined before the communists, but it was also used extensively by the party to replace, quote, the new year because they tried to get rid of anything that was old. All of the superstitions, religions, etc., and that included celebrations. So now there's a week-long holiday in the People's Republic of China during Spring Festival. This will take place here in 2021. The public holiday it begins February the 11th through the 17th. So in the People's Republic of China, this will begin tomorrow, not on the 12th, and it will go through the 17th. Ahead of that holiday comes a bustling travel period. As um, which millions of people, millions of people. Now, this this travel period is known as Chengyang, C-H-U-N-Y-U-N, Chengyang, in which millions of people travel home by plane, train, automobile to celebrate uh, in these festivities. This is what I was telling you before when CNN 
deemed this the largest human migration on the planet. So there are more people migrating back home, back to their uh, specific locations in the east uh, for these celebrations ahead of the Lunar New Year in January 2020, for example, projecting that nearly three billion trips would have been made during that time and were made during that time. Obviously, we're going to talk about 2021 with the restrictions that are going on because of COVID. Uh, Some places are open for travel. Some places are not. And that will impact the number of people and the types of celebrations that they can have. But we'll talk about that a little later. So the Lunar New Year traditions include uh, a dragon dance and the distribution of red envelopes filled with money, for example. The red pockets full of money. These are known as Lizi. L-I-X-I. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. This is in Vietnamese or Hombao, which is in Mandarin or Chinese. So in China, they're traditionally gifted from an elder or parent to a child. And I've actually seen this. Uh, well, not in person, but I've, I've seen this tradition on different, I don't know, movies or or, or different types of um, documentaries where, you know, this time of year comes around and the elder person, usually a man, the grandfather, uh, will, you know, stand and begin to make remarks about the previous year and people's progress or lack of progress. And then he would gift them these envelopes full of money as an indication of his either approval or disapproval. So I don't know how Americanized that was, but uh, uh, somewhere it falls uh, in that particular uh, realm. Um, so these are traditionally gifted from an elder to, to a child or anyone who's unmarried. It's an occasion for kids to have fun, of course, with the envelopes because they're supposed to go around and ask or say things like uh, Happy New Year in Chinese, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce or make money in the new year also in Chinese. So there are fireworks and firecrackers. Uh, They're often set off throughout the Lunar New Year. Uh, These are both uh, toward toward off ancient monsters called Nian, N-I-A-N. And because it uh, becomes, you know, more of a celebration, you know, the fireworks, of course, is a celebratory thing. But the core message there was to ward off ancient, uh, an ancient monster called Nian, N-I-A-N. It's common to see families shooting off the equally festive and non-fiery confetti cannons, which I love. Anytime you go into um, a Asian store or market, particularly if you're in Chinatown, uh, these seem to be available and kids love them because, again, they're not really fireworks and you can just pull the string and all the confetti comes out. The worst part about it is someone's got to clean the confetti up. So the dances, so there's a lion dance and a dragon dance. These are traditional dances and gymnastic performances as well. Uh, They're an exciting part of these celebrations, the Lunar New Year parades. A lion dance typically features two performers. They're in the same costume, operating as the creature's front and the back legs. And it's supposed to send away any evil spirits. You'll see a common theme here within all of these festivals. One is to cast away uh, uh, evil or not wanted type of energy or spirits. And the other is to welcome wanted spirits. In other words, riches and abundance. Really, to be honest with you, there's not a whole lot of difference between that and the way Americans celebrate New Year's. I remember as a kid, I grew up in the South. I am a person of African-American descent, 
and my grandmother was very traditional in many ways. And she believed, for example, for uh, abundance, you know, she believed in the traditional New Year's, you know, black eyed peas and collard greens and these sorts of things. That was a money thing as well. But she would, <laughs> interestingly enough, only allow the first person at her house to be a man. And this was one of the things that she was taught and she brought uh, with her throughout her life. Uh, this was supposed to bring good luck and abundance in the new year. So if you were a female and you were headed to my grandmother's house as you got there first on New Year's Day, you were not getting in. Uh, I remember as a teenager having to go around and I kid you not having to go around to not only just my grandmother's house, but anyone. My grandmother was was widowed at this time. Otherwise, my grandfather could, I I guess, would have sufficed. But I would go around and knock on ladies' doors to be the first uh, person at the door that day, having been a male. So there's an interesting fact about me growing up in the country. So anyway, uh, these dances are supposed to ward away evil spirits. It's an opportunity also to feed the lion with the red envelopes, the coveted red envelopes. So China, of course, is a very diverse country and it has many different practices. So it doesn't have to be exactly this. It can be something different. For example, there's a fan dance, there's a phoenix dance, and there's also a lion dance. And these are all practiced throughout different uh, regions of, 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 uh, of China, of the East. So as you can imagine, there are some taboo and some superstitions that go along with these celebrations with the Lunar New Year. Uh, there are a lot of little things you're supposed to do and not to do. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to argue. You're only supposed to talk about good and happy things. This will set the tone for future days. What's interesting, and I'm not going to get off into the weeds, but it was interesting. I don't know why we just don't do that all the time, because this is, of course, metaphysics. And the more you project positivity, the more that will come back to you. But we'll set that aside for a different podcast. In addition, you're supposed to pay back your debts before the new year starts or you knew you could start off with bad luck. You're not supposed to cut your hair. Now, that was also something that my grandmother wouldn't allow you to do. Anything with scissors is not happening on uh, New Year's Day. So you're not supposed to cut anything. You're supposed to avoid wearing black or white as they're associated with mourning uh, to attract luck. You're supposed to wear red and red is one of the primary colors you see if you're able to go. Now, I don't live in the east. I live here in the west. But if you go into Chinatown, it's always predominantly in my mind. The pictures that I have the red There's a lot of red and red is a symbol of prosperity. So you're not also supposed to do any laundry on the first or the second day of the new year. And um, these two days, the first day and the second day uh, are celebrated as the birthday of Shun Yin. I hope I'm close. S-H-U-I-S-H-E-N. Shun Yin, maybe. Shun Yin is the water god. So you're not supposed to wash clothes for the first and the second day. Avoid washing your hair as well, lest you may, hold on to your seats, wash out the good fortune. Okay. So don't sweep after the New Year's Eve. Uh, you'll sweep away accrued wealth and luck. So all these are traditions. Uh, obviously, it sounds a little different than what we do here in the West, but not a whole lot. 
Not a whole lot. Even if some of this sounds a little obscure to you, I could pull up some stuff that we do here in the West that could sound very obscure as well. Uh, but well respected, uh, this group, uh, does, uh, um, I, I just, I just love to know about these types of things with different groups. And I hope this is, um, good information for you as well. So the last thing we're going to talk about is some of the foods that are associated with these festivals and what they really mean. So there are glutinous rice cakes. And if you've been to any good Chinese restaurant or even Japanese restaurants or markets, you see these sticky, dense, round cakes made of rice. And so this is um, called, uh, these are glutinous rice cakes or what they call nian gao, N-I-A-N, and the second word is G-A-O. And nian translates to year, which is um, a homophone for the word sticky. So it translates, you know, sort of similar. They're two different characters, but they're pronounced exactly the same. Higher up, Nian Gao is meant to signal higher success in the new year. So this particular food is meant to to uh, uh, indicate higher success in the new year. Nian, N-I-A-N-G-A-O, which is interesting because I'm going to kind of go back here. I just noticed something. Uh, Nian was also uh, a name, I thought, of an an evil spirit that needed to be warded away. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll figure that piece out, but let's keep going with the food. So what else? Whole fish. So a lot of people like fish, but they're talking whole fish. Fish is one of the most important and symbolic dishes of the Chinese New Year. Fish in Mandarin is you, Y-U. This is the same pronunciation as leftovers or leftover. The idea is that every year you want an abundance of food or wealth so that you have it left over for the next year. Okay, that makes sense. Now, whole chicken. Togetherness, of course, is a symbol or overarching symbol and theme of the Lunar New Year. So a whole chicken is another visual signifier of that unity. Of course, we're talking about family reunions and we talked about that great human migration, people coming home. I can just imagine kids haven't gone off to college or they maybe work in the West or they work in different parts of the world. But their families, their core families, their grandparents and ancestry is there in China and Vietnam and Singapore. And these people are all coming home to have this great seven to 15 day celebration. And this is very symbolic. And I absolutely love that symbolism. Dumplings. I love dumplings. Dumplings are supposed to look like the ignat, the gold and silver pieces used as money in ancient times. It represents being prosperous and you have all the money you want, you know, as you're eating. So that's what dumplings are symbolizing. Spring rolls, which I also love for the Chinese New Year. These are favorite because they symbolize also wealth. Uh, The lucky um, sayings associated with eating spring rolls are, well, there's a Chinese saying, but I can't pronounce it, but it means a ton of gold, suggesting that the spring rolls resemble gold bars. And if you've had really good, even egg rolls, uh, spring rolls are just a little smaller. And because I'm plant-based, I, mine are normally always, well, not normally, they're always vegetable, but they do make them with like, you know, um, uh, 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 brisket or some sort of meat inside. 
But when you stack them, they do look like little gold pieces because they're all, you know, either fried or baked to be golden brown. Most of them are fried. Uh, jujube, which is a small fruit. It's a traditional New Year's uh, celebration food for the Chinese. It's red, of course, because red is the color of prosperity and happiness. And then the last thing is the candy. So there are a lot of sweets associated with these festivals as well. Uh, anything sweet, however, is uh, commonly known in the Chinese New Year. It symbolizes a sweet life, a sweet life. So you'll see a lot of sweets. In addition to the rice cakes we talked about before, you see a lot of different candy, a lot of different sweets, because this is a symbol, um, a symbol of a sweet life. So how would the celebrations look in 2021? We've been impacted uh Last year in January, we were not where we are today in terms of lockdowns and restrictions of travel because we were just learning about the pandemic and we were not quite, I think in February, we started to see, you know, some places going to travel restrictions. And of course, in March, uh, we started getting stay at home orders and things like that. So last year was the last year that there was really this huge migration and these big get togethers. So how's it going to look this year? What remains to be seen, quite honestly, remains to be seen how the coronavirus pandemic will affect this year's Lunar New Year celebrations either in the U.S. or in Asia. Uh, for example, Hong Kong, which is on partial lockdown as of December 2020 due to a fourth wave of infections. They've canceled their iconic parade and their fireworks for the coming year of the Ox. San Francisco, which has a large amount of uh, 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 has a very large population of uh, Chinese, uh, has also canceled their festival and their parade. It's unclear how COVID-19 will impact uh, the yearly Xiangyang travel rush. That's the great migration, uh, if at all. Uh, you know, for for this particular year. So we'll just kind of watch and see. Uh, this starts tomorrow uh, for some, the 12th for others. And my uh, hope is that everyone travels safely and takes the proper precautions if you are traveling. Uh, some of our resources include, uh, I mentioned before, uh, Reddit, uh, Oprah Mag, Google, Google Trends, and uh, let's see, who else did we use? CNN. Uh, I wanted to also bring you some information from Google. So Lunar New Year is a holiday based on Chinese lunar solar calendar and celebrated worldwide. Uh, some of the most searched questions and terms regarding the Lunar New Year. So U.S. based. Here's some of the most searched questions. Who celebrates the new year, the Lunar New Year? What countries are involved in the Lunar New Year celebrations? What does Lunar New Year mean? And when is Lunar New Year? Do Japanese celebrate Lunar New Year? So I hope we've answered all of those here in this particular podcast. I, I think we touched on everything, maybe except for the Japanese. Uh, Jap Japan is... Um, wasn't, wasn't part of this, but maybe I'll do some research and come back. I don't want to say definitively one way or not, but I didn't see Japan listed anywhere. I only saw uh, specific Asian uh, countries such as China, uh, Vietnam, uh, Korea, uh, you know, Tibet, places like that that I know to be part of 
China. So, um, or, or the, or the East there. So what I will do is, uh, do a little bit more research to see if Japan takes part in any of the celebration. I, I would probably say yes, because listen, we celebrate here in America, although we're not doing it as authentically in my mind as some of the folks are in the East, it's a worldwide deal. Okay. So listen, I hope you've learned something. Uh, this is very informative from my end. Very interesting doing the, doing the research. And I'm glad you joined me. And if you've listened all the way through, please give us a review. It would be greatly appreciated. And please make sure if you've not done so already, like and subscribe and share. Particularly subscribe so you'll know the next time we've got new content, which, by the way, is every other day. You will be the first to know. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in two days. That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates, and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.